many memories have come flooding back. I put this song on repeat, just crying my eyes out. It made me feel so bloody alive. This song really nails the feeling of nostalgia for a place. And we all just stopped talking and just stared at the radio. Like, what is that? It's part of the noble genre of songs by women about masturbation. I love it. I love that song so much. Meet people through their music with Ash Berdebez on FBI. On Out of the Box today, I have an interesting guest. I remember a friend invited me to a gig at Serial Space many moons ago. I rocked up expecting it to be, you know, just a live band or something and... Then I walked into this little room, everyone was sitting down and, and looking kind of at their shoes or at the ceiling or whatever, and there was this girl in the middle of it all with this weird machine making the craziest, glitchiest sounds, and I didn't really understand what it was, and I didn't really know whether or not it was even music, and it kind of fascinated me since then, and I've tried to learn a little bit more, so I've actually got the girl with the weird machine in the studio today, Pia Van Gelder. Welcome on Out of the Box. Oh, thanks for having me. So you're more than a girl with a weird machine and <laughs> all that. So I will tell you a little bit more about Pia. She's a curator and academic and electronic media artist and I guess a media archaeologist. Now, can you explain a little bit about what a media archaeologist is? Because it's a bit of a foreign term to most, <laughs> I'm assuming. I think it's a bit of a liberal uh, kind of usage of the word archaeology. You certainly aren't digging around in the dirt looking for media, which would be <laughs> interesting. I mean, actually, I was having my blood taken at the uh, doctors the other day and um, they were doing a test and um, they had to like put a swab on some part of my skin to test if it was like allergic reaction. And they said, the guy said to me, I'm just going to put some media on your arm right now. I was like, what? Awesome. I love media. <laughs> so you could essentially interpret dirt as media. But um, archaeology, the idea of it, media archaeology is that you're looking um, at the history of media in order to understand its contemporary existence or speculate about its future. So um, it's just a bunch of people who really like old machines, I guess. <laughs> Can you give me a kind of example yeah. of something that you might pick up, a bit of media from the past that you might pick up and kind of start reimagining or start unpacking in different mm. ways? A work I made uh, a while ago uh, was using an old Panasonic MX-10. Or Is 20. that a TV? It could be a Panasonic MX-20. I, those, there's two models. Anyway, basically it's an old video effects unit and it's, you know, obsolete now because of digital technology and of course how we sort of use video today which is less a linear uh, media form you know As it's not on a tape rewind it yeah you don't well by you're just, going just back <laughs> yeah just scrub yeah you just move your mouse around there was no mouse in the 90s uh or the 80s or the 70s so the mx10 was kind of like a, te- a television um tool where you could flip between different cameras in a live studio environment um, and you could also put like cheesy effects like you know the page turning and the dissolves and you know keying you could key people you know over say Superman flying in the sky you know there's a track <laughs> of sky and then a track of Superman in the studio I hate to, to spoil it but yeah, that's actually <laughs> what? not real. All the magic is yeah. gone. <laughs> the, these these old machines, these this old, um, particularly this old video mixer, has its own inbuilt, very idiosyncratic visual effects. And I was kind of interested in revisiting those effects. The other interesting thing about the machine is that you can actually plug it into itself and have it create its own images without actually having any external input coming into the to the machine that's so Um, bizarre so what kind of images does it give you totally crazy images like mental images where you're like oh I couldn't have made that up with my mind even Uh, maybe if I shut my eyes really tightly and looked out the window um, of it on a sunny day or something like that you know it's just really amazing kind of like burnt kind of um spiraling colourful flashing sort of lights and yeah it's 
beautiful so you know we, we this is a machine we we you know discard you can buy it on ebay for like a couple hundred bucks or maybe fifty dollars and people you know throw it out of studios these days but it actually has like this amazing visual language yeah it's got its own imagination apparently it does yeah totally so we'll have a track in a second from Keith Fullerton Whitman. But first, I'd like to hear a bit about why you wanted to bring this track on and who, who Keith Fullerton Whitman is and why you dig him. Keith Fullerton Whitman, he's been uh, sort of described as an exploratory synth uh, composer and performer. A couple of years back, the art space that I was kind of working with, Serial Space, we got an opportunity to put on this crazy festival and we uh, got sort of enough money to kind of get an international act, a musical act in. And Tom uh, Smith and myself were trying to brainstorm about like who the best person we could ever think of, like the coolest person in the world would be if we could bring him or her. Turned out to be him, Keith Fullerton Whitman. We were like, oh, yeah, let's totally bring him out. And we emailed him thinking like, you know, with our clammy hands. Oh, my God, sent it. I sent it. Can you check this email? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is and that then, too formal? Is that too and formal? then he replied and we were like, oh, my God, he's actually coming. <laughs> um, yeah. So what, what festival was this, can I ask? And why was it so crazy? It was uh, It was a, It was was an amazing combination and culmination of um, sort of what we'd been working on for a long time at Serial Space, sort of representing experiments experimental sort of quite radical and adventurous art um, that sort of works outside of institutional um, forms of presentation. So most of the stuff that was being presented there was a little bit uh, quite challenging to sort of actually showcase. Time Machine? Yeah, Time Machine. That was Time Machine. Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah, Time Machine was the name of the festival. So Keith Fullerton Whitman came out with his big synthesizer. Actually, it's not as big as mine now, but um, (laughs) it was was probably his travel pack one. But he came out and and played a gig um, for that festival and it was pretty amazing. Uh, It was great to kind of meet someone who does uh, work with uh, modular synths, which I do myself and... You know, I kind of have really enjoyed this particular album, Generator, a lot. Thank you. 
You're listening to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5, and that was a track by Keith Fullerton Whitman. What a name to say. Sounds so regal. Yeah. And that was him messing with electricity, which is what my guest on Out of the Box today does. Pia Van Gelder, you, you muck with machines as a way of being, but I kind of want to know a bit about where this came from for you. Mm. Why did you first start mucking around with electricity? Mm the possibilities of electricity and it's kind of extraordinary or more sort of unconventional possibilities were in the background for me as I was growing up because my grandfather was a healer of sorts and worked with what people call electrotherapy so electrotherapy I have to always kind of do a backstory and say like it's not the electrotherapy that they do say in mental institutions shock therapy that's where people's minds go they're like oh my god that's so intense no it's not that one it's um using kind of less perceivable charge that's kind of applied to the body in different parts of the body uh, as a way of kind of, um, I guess, disrupting or, or changing the fields of electricity that already run through your body. And the idea is that it, you know, is healing. And lots of people do it in lots of different ways. And you, it's, you know, accepted in medicine. And then it, the weirder stuff is probably not quite not accepted in... Uh, it's not in, on Medicare. <laughs> it's not on Medicare. Um, it's sort of also you know, like the FDA in, in America kind of like tend to crack down on some of those uh, uh, weirder uh, electrotherapy practitioners. The more esoteric practices. Yes. I guess when, you're, when your grandfather, it was a Harry Van Gelder, yep. when he was kind of practicing electrotherapy, was it acceptable for him? Was he totally fine to just go around? You know, and, and, mm, and no, like what were people seeing him for? He I, all sorts of things, and and he was sort of many other things. So he was an acupuncturist, an osteopath, a naturopath, and a homeopath. Um, and you know had like lots of different influences from Chinese medicine. Um, but he was traditionally trained as an electrical engineer. So that's kind of like I guess where the two sort of come together in terms of electrical electrotherapy yeah and as he was practicing different countries were kind of dealing with that new form of therapy in different ways I mean you can look at the just the history of say osteopathy and chiropractic chiropractory I don't know yeah you look at those histories and they're actually quite contentious and people have been prosecuted and shut down over the last like you know several decades or many decades it changes depending on the practitioner that you're sort of working with so so same with electrotherapy then exactly and so different people have actually like been sort of prosecuted by the FDA and shut down for different reasons so it wasn't always a safe it hasn't always been and still isn't really a safe sort of field to to be innovating in or yeah exploring Uh, you could send samples to him and he'd sort of charge them it's it's pretty weird samples of what Uh, like your hair you could send your hair and he'd treat you or diagnose you by looking at your hair crazy stuff so, so were people saying you know oh I'm feeling really tired all the time or I have insomnia or I have anxiety yeah. and so I'm going to look at this all kinds of practitioner yeah a lot of different uh, today actually in more conventional medicine it's used very effectively to treat pain that's kind of like the main like if you talk to doctors you know conventional doctors that they'll say oh yeah yeah that that's kind of in pain treatment but it can be more widely used or that's what other people claim is that it has wider kind of applications yeah I mean just to sort of get back to how that encouraged me I guess was thinking about my grandfather where he practiced his you know healing his electrotherapy um in on a machine which looks a lot like a synthesizer um it's kind of this sort of big uh diagonally trapezoidal kind of you know like <laughs> oh yeah i know yeah. those big diagonal trapezoidal De- desktop, things <laughs> desktop kind of synth with a wooden case and very nice big knobs um, <laughs> um and on the on the sort of bottom 
uh, section were kind of these plates that you kind of would carry the charge and then also he could make some kind of samples and readings from. But the, the, it the machine... It a lot like music. Yeah, the machine and it's, it looked like he could have been playing, you know, what we just listened to with Keith Fullerton-Whitman, only instead of generating sound, it was generating applied current. So, I mean, you could essentially like plug it into an amplifier and see what it sounds like, which is essentially what I'm trying to do. So that's how I think about it. I'm like, oh, it's basically the same thing. Like we're we're all using kind of these sort of the same mechanisms, the same circuits, um, except that he was making applied current. I'm making sound and video. Yeah. So I guess part of what you do is actually take machines and then liberate them to do something <laughs> they're not necessarily programmed to do well i yeah I, I i i sort of that's how i kind of started working with technology and making circuits was working with pre-existing machines you know like the like what we were talking about with the um vision mixer or video mixer and then you know subverting it or negating and turning it into something new or something outside of its yeah predetermined use and and I guess in a way I think it's a really interesting way of looking at technology because often people tend to approach it in a prescribed sort of manner um, and that's kind of it's kind of boring to me. I, I like, you know, opening things up and seeing how they work and um, seeing how they function and I particularly love the moment when you sort of um, get something bizarre like an unexpected that comes out of machine and you're like, what? no, stop, that's amazing. Like, what is that? You know, I've never seen that before. Can you tell me about one of those moments for you that you were tinkering around with something and you just had a breakthrough moment? Yeah, oh, that happens all the time. Actually, when I when I do performances with my synthesizer, I'll often do like a couple of days worth of kind of composing and working patches out that kind of do extraordinary I think extraordinary things did weird things I tend to look for that that's kind of you know I'm just kind of plugging things in and it's a weird process of trial and error because with modular synthesis um you working with cables there's no undo like you can't go like undo or like save that session that was great that's a wrap high five um it's like it's it's you literally have to just keep taking photos and like drawing um what cable is connected to the other cable and then making sure you tell everyone around you do not touch that don't touch that thing. It is it is perfect right now, you know, and just hoping that nothing like nudges and knob the wrong way. So, you know, the whole thing might break if, if you do that. So, I'm sure yeah. it's happened to you quite a few times. It's a, it's a scary space. But, yeah, every now and then you kind of, you yeah, you'll turn something and something unexpected will happen. Like, you know, um, the first time I made a triangle with a video synth, I was like, what? what I've never seen that it was like a perfect equilateral triangle and it was like stationary in the center of the screen and you're like I'm a shaman I I I I, yeah I felt like I well I felt I was trying to tell me something I looked up immediately no I joke (laughs) but it was it was it felt like oh my gosh this is really amazing I've never been able to find it again. No, it's very hard for me to repeat that. (laughs) So after talking about all of these experimental electronic type things, we're just going to put on the most, one of the most (laughs) pop songs of all time. So why did you want to bring this song Um, by the Beach Boys? I I was trying to think of something sentimental to me. I guess for me, I'm, you know, at the same time as being, into you know serious electronic music I actually really love vocal harmonies and sort of where my music training I didn't really have any real music training just like high school extracurricular activities like band and um, jazz vocal ensemble choir and the school chorus as well so I can totally imagine that yeah so <laughs> deep like very many layers of harmony just make my hairs sort of stand up and do cool things 
And it also has something to do with your grandfather, this song. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, I was sort of, I, I think about it a bit um, sometimes, the Beach Boys, because my my dad, I, I, I always play my dad the Beach Boys and think that he knows who the Beach Boys are because he's like in his 60s um, and he was, you know, in his 20s in the 60s um so I'm like hey you know this is your kind of music he's like I don't I don't really know this song um and the reason he doesn't know it is because he wasn't allowed to listen to pop music while he was growing up why not because his father my grandfather thought they'd had adverse sort of health effects um especially in the gut region for some some (laughs) he 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 was you know an an advocate for the Beethoven and um serious you know classical music but um and and sort of believed that like sonically um sound actually has the power to affect your body you know therapeutic music yeah and then the opposite of therapeutic music, which is this pop trash that yeah, the kids are listening to exactly. these days. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. You listen to FBI 94.5. My guest on Out of the Box today is Pia Van Gelder. I'm a cork on the FBI 94.5 is the station that you're tuned into, and my name is Ash Berdebez. My guest today who brought in that track is Pia Van Gelder, and she brought it in because her her father was never allowed to listen to the Beach Boys growing up, unlike all of his mates, because pop was bad for the gut. So says Pia's grandfather, who was an electrotherapist and apparently knew a thing or two about pop music and its relationship to the bell. I don't think he knew very much about pop music at all. I think he just kind of hated it and was made up this weird theory that would steer his children away from it. <laughs> it didn't work. But, um, yeah, uh, poor dad doesn't really know very much about the Beach Boys. Actually, your your aunt as well, you were saying, used to have a bit of a stash of music that she couldn't have in the house. Yeah. She um, hid her pop music collection of records at, with her friend across the road and she used to sneak over there and listen to them, which I always thought would be a really interesting way of experiencing. Maybe listeners have the, a similar experience, like music that you were you know, forbidden to listen to. Uh, it just makes it sound so much better. 
I think it's really interesting how your grandfather's work seems to be related to work that you're doing right now as mm. as an artist. You're doing a project at the moment that is called Relaxation Circuit. And can you tell us a bit about Relaxation Circuit and, and what, what is a relaxation circuit, <laughs> for example? Yeah. So the work reenacts an early electrotherapy experiment by a fellow called L.E. Emons and it's it's really interesting like I think that's kind of what I am most fascinated with it does propose this idea of a relaxation circuit which is you know like what so it's an electrical circuit or an electronic circuit um, that has no power source Um, so there's no it's not connected to any power source how can you have electricity without power hey well did you know that the human body actually has its own um, we, we actually conduct electricity we we actually generate electricity with our body very small tiny microscopic amounts but Eamons I guess proposed that this and and many electrotherapists I, I think think about this and this intrinsic energy within the body and when the body is has an ailment of some sort that maybe we can electrically modify that area and and treat the ailment what kind of ailments are we talking about what kind of ailments might be able to be fixed by something like relaxation circuit well relaxation circuit so Eamons with the original experiment uh proposed that it would and and he you know did many 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 trials and has a book about it called cooperative healing and he actually says that his subject uh, it was able to help with um, anxiety, stress, um, any kind of nervous dysfunction, nervous dysfunction, nervousness, or ner- the word nervous was a bit of a different word in the ni- 1920s. Uh, <laughs> nervous disorders, so this is nervous condition. <laughs> yeah, nervous. Oh, it's making me nervous just talking about it. But um, the idea was, you know, that simplistically speaking, you lie a whole bunch of people down, have them hold on to cables that are connected to kind of copper handles and they're lying on top of um, a series of, of, of copper plates and those so those wires actually connect to the plates and essentially what you have when everyone's lying down in the right position holding onto the cables is that everybody is connected to each other so their hypothetically their intrinsic or um, pre-existing energy is actually flowing into somebody else's body and then their, their energy into the next person and their energy into the next person and back again it, I, and it looks I, I just saw it online I was like what looks crazy looked into it a bit more and then I thought isn't wouldn't it be interesting to sort of do a new bent on that or we'll revisit it in general just the idea of getting people to lie down and think about that possibility today instead of 1920 1915 in 2000 it's not 1915 it's actually 2000 yeah to have a think about that speculation about the possibilities of energy that you know we were so free to kind of get involved in a hundred years ago but today we're sort of our understanding of energy and electricity comes from a different place or yeah it's very segmented it's kind of you know everything has a predetermined use and don't mess with it yeah leave it to a professional exactly it is leave it to a professional kind of kind of vibes i wonder though um with with relaxation circuit in particular if all these people are kind of sitting you know lying down together holding these copper bars on these copper plates and sort of i guess sharing energy is, is the idea that you know good energy will correct someone else's nervous or bad or anxious energy is is that kind of part of it when we're talking about energy or is it more about electricity it's like they talk about blockages a lot like it's a blockage you've got a blockage here and um i mean you hear like that's kind of real like you know you have blockages in your circulatory system um or your digestive system um but (laughs) the idea is that yeah it kind of it creates this kind of circulation um of energy that that levels things out or balances it all out again and um, I think um, coming from the last work that I made 
last year, which was working with electroencephalography, so reading the electrical... um, Mm -hmm. Psychic sense. Yeah, the electrical activity in the brain and having people lie down and listen to that. It's amazing what happens is you just start you start a weird feedback loop and that feedback loop, instead of freaking you out like a microphone and a speaker does, you don't start screaming, but you actually start blissing out. And people normally, you know, do relax when they're listening to their own brain waves. So, so just to clarify, someone is sitting there with a kind of brain reader on. Yeah, and brain reader. A brain reader. Sorry, I'm, it's, I'm pretty junior <laughs> no, in that's these matters. Right. I just... <laughs> But, so they're sitting on with a, with a brain reader on their head and it is feeding the sound of their brain waves yeah. back into their ears and yeah. so they're able to kind of hear and monitor their own brain waves yeah. and that doesn't freak them out. <laughs> no, well, not, the only time I ever saw it freak someone out was um, my mate when I was sort of like just developing the work. I got her to um, try it out and it's Simone Mandel and she put the headset on and started laughing immediately and because she was laughing she wasn't relaxed she was you know her brain was electrically doing something totally different to being relaxed and that actually started feeding back and then she just kept laughing and laughing and laughing and laughing I wish we could have an example of what a what a you know a laughing brain sounds like and what a calm brain sounds like and then like a relaxed brain is just like Speaking of, uh, we've got a bit of that coming up in a second. Um, you bought in a track by Eliane Radige and it's it's a pretty long track, so we're only going to hear a snippet of it, but we will post a link to her work on the FBI website on the programs and playlist page. Go to Out of the Box and you'll find it there. I'll just fade it up a little bit and we'll come back in a second and talk a bit about what this music, I guess you could call it music, is all about. Cool. You're listening to Out of the Box on FBI. Pia Van Gelder is my guest today. Um, for this series so Adnos is actually um, a three-part series of like one hour or thereabouts kind of um, pieces and um, she's using an ARP synthesizer which is probably my favorite synthesizer Um, and she started out uh, the 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 series was produced in the 70s Um, she started out um, just you know making the first Adnos piece which sounds similar to this but also a little bit different um uh in that it's kind of it doesn't have the rhythmical kind of bell bit in the background it's much more just the tone yeah I saw you kind of following that before it was not really occurring to me but you were just kind of listening out to it um so she um she I, I don't know a lot about her as a composer. I haven't like read a biography on her. I don't even think there is a biography on her. There's not a lot of um, information about her work because she's a woman, uh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, she's a woman working in what decade? In, 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 yeah, in the 70s, um, particularly with this series, but um, earlier than that and then also um, later also. Um, but what's interesting is... Um, 
I think is how her music kind of translates this idea of um, think of biofeedback or thinking about the vibratory kind of electrical properties of your body and your mind um, and when you listen to sound that is static and um, kind of monotonal or drone like something happens like it's an association that's aesthetic for sure but it's also I think there's a suggestion there that is much more effective than just you know in the brain your body actually starts to relax and um, so she started off with Adnos one and then she became um, a Tibetan Buddhist um, and she had to take like I don't know 10 years off or five years or something training as a Tibetan Buddhist wow. and then she finished her mentorship um, and her mentor told her as like often does in in that uh, kind of training program they kind of I guess uh, um, what's they, the they word? give they give the yeah. um, it's kind of a community work aspect to it. It's kind of like yeah. actually applying what you've done over the past few years and trying to like spread your goodwill and vibes and and, and you kind of I guess you come to an understanding about how best you can do that as an individual. Um, and so often people you know yeah come out the end of it with a new direction. Um, but uh, her mentor basically said to her that she should just go back to doing exactly the same thing as what she was doing before um, because that was working. Uh, and because it's, it's, I guess, it's very meditative in itself. It kind of seems to be part of the same pursuit. Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is Adnos three, Adnos two, and Adnos three were produced, I think, after her um, mentorship. And yeah, they ah, oh, I love them so much. Do you actually meditate to these kinds of I, things? I have, yeah? yeah, to Adnos. Yes, I do. It's beautiful. I totally recommend it. If do you do the full hour? Um, I some I have done the full hour, but uh, yeah, uh, meditating for an hour is pretty hardcore. Yeah, um, but yeah, if you're listening to it, listening to something that you know goes through for a period of time, of set time, um, it is sort of like a journey. Um, you know, you can watch a TV show that's an hour long. What's wrong with? You know, just yeah. listen out to an Absolutely. experimental piece of music. Meditate to some, uh, what's that one? Two and a half men? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You've done that too, Meditate right? to two and a half men. I've never seen that show, so that sounded really weird. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's what I think is really quite fascinating about her work. Um, and, and that, yeah. Sorry. You were, you were saying something about women in technology yeah. a, a moment ago because, I mean, it's not it's not very much, very often that you see women, uh, regardless of their inputs to a certain mm. type of music or technology, actually being put in the canon. The canon is quite a masculine product in the end and often it's, you know, written by men and they regard with and relate to yeah. men and it's just, it's just something that happens. It's like it's a, a familiarity. It's a circulatory thing. Yeah, it's exactly. it's kind of like the feedback thing we were talking about, but less positive. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you probably see that in your own work because mm. you're working in a very you know electrical kind of uh technological field and music and mm. both of those fields crossing over uh, overwhelmingly much more you know about and by and um favoring yeah. the, the profligation of men yeah in, in their I, won't, pursuits. I won't deny that most of the programming that i've curated and um that has been a mostly male audience um, I put together a festival um, over a couple of years with a mate of mine, Alex White, called Modulux, which was a festival for modular synthesis. And I think that I know every female who came to that festival and they're <laughs> really literally like there's only a handful of them. Why do you think that is? It's, well, it yeah, as I said, it's sort of circulatory. So the, because it's male-dominated, it's less attractive for women to be a part of because they're like, why would I want to go there? There's just a whole bunch of men. It's like when you walk past a pub and it's filled with men, you're like, I don't really feel like going to that pub, yeah. you know, unless you're looking for a pub with all men. Like Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. you know, you walk into your first engineering lecture and all the heads turn and you go, maybe this isn't. This going is to be as easy really, as I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. Maybe this is not for me. Like, I think a lot of women go through that. And I think 
fortunately, I have a background where I've got a lot of support from male and female people in my um, environment to just get into it and don't worry about it. And I don't know how that happened. It's a weird freakish um, situation. But yeah, I think it's I think what I'm struggling with on a continuing basis is finding women who are in my field, both historically and in a contemporary way, um, finding a space to get together and and finding a space for their work to be promoted. And so by kind of making an effort to look back and find artists who I find uh, inspire my work, who are women, who are working in electrical electrical fields, as you as you call it, <laughs> um, in electronic art or electronic music. I found Eliane Radige and and you also found Daphne Oram. Is, yes. is that part of this? Yeah, so, I mean, similar time period, there's a few of them out there, actually. And the harder you look, the more you find. And, and that's, that's you know, it's a rewarding journey for someone who likes detective work. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think, yeah, Daphne Oram is, is also quite interesting in terms of inspiring my own work in that she's also an instrument builder. She actually created um, her own uh, synthesizer called the Oramics machine, um, <laughs> which uh, was the most amazing thing I've sort of ever seen. I've never seen it in real life. I've only ever seen it on um, YouTube. <laughs> um, but um, they've actually been doing a, an amazing project trying to restore this original synthesizer, which is a huge thing, like the size of a mat, like a, the mixing desk that's in this studio. Which is really large. It's quite big. It's very big. The size of three coffins stacked. Yeah. And she uses, instead of what you would expect, like a control voltage on a synthesizer, she uses a 35 millimeter film. Um, and for taking photos? No, for film, like projection, cinema film. Wow. Yeah. So so what she does is draw these kind of graphical scores on this film and it's run along a reel as it would be if it were projected except that that generates sound and that was in the 1950s um, which is mental like way it's, ahead of her time yeah really really ahead of her time and only sort of now really the aramics machine is like sort of oh whoa that was actually amazing so yeah. we have a track here by Daphne. Yes. Why why light music then? Light music um well actually I've got only a little bit of her work cuz not a lot of it has been released um and a recent release of hers or you know she's no longer alive. She it's it's called I think the Oram series or Oram Daphne Oram tapes or something like that and it's like 30 different tracks um, and they're all mind-bending and amazing. One of them is definitely created by the Oramics machine but it, it it's kind of like a funny like demonstration sample, less of a composition whereas this piece which I can't say for sure is created on the Oramics machine definitely has that has a compositional um, it is a composition um, but light music is well there's color music um, and light music which is a whole history of cinema and sound kind of coming together which is something that my research looks into um, making video and sound at the same time so yeah I sort of enticing you seem like quite the synesthete so we'll, we'll take that song by <laughs> Daphne and uh Pia Van Gelder is the is the voice you've been hearing across from me Ash Berdebez on Out of the Box and here you go it's Daphne Oram
not something you hear every day on FBI Radio 94.5, but thanks to Pia Van Gelder, my guest on Out of the Box today, you heard it here, it's Daphne O'Ram. You bought in a track by 106.Never. Yeah. One of the greatest names of all time for any project. I don't know Definitely. why. It's just so satisfying to say. Yeah. 106.Never. Something love about it. never at the end. Never. Point never. What's your love for 106.Never like? Well, 106.Never, I think, relates to the media archaeology bent um, because he sort of scavenges around on the internet. I imagine on the internet. I don't know. Maybe he goes into archives. But I, I picture him spending most of his time in front of a computer on the internet, on YouTube. Um, and that's kind of where I originally discovered 106.Never. I had no idea that was his name. I thought it was just this weird dude called Sun. Sunset Corp on YouTube, still his channel. And then I was reading Wire magazine and they went on about this Sunset Corp guy. I was like, they know about him too. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> but he sort of, yeah, he sort of scavenges for these like old relics um, from media's past and, and turns it, gobbles it up and turns it into this kind of weird really nostalgic feeling sort of sad um longing kind of music so when you say you're taking media you're taking kind of samples from really old archival pieces yeah like he's taking set well or even just pop music like i think the song we're going to play actually includes sounds from fleetwood mac um and uh he but he also takes like advertising like Japanese ads for Walkmans and um, lots of like kind of lots of video media like this release particularly this is I think his first release uh, called Memory Vague which came out on DVD. Yeah we had to convert the file before we came in here. (laughs) Yeah I'm sure you can probably get the mp3s nowadays but I'm, I'm not that um, down with the, I don't know, I did, I, I'm not very organised with my music collection. Because <laughs> you're very down with the technology, that's where that was going. <laughs> yeah, I was going to... Ch- um, and, yeah, I think um, th- that's an interesting thing to think about in terms of this release is that it is a video as much as it is sound, although we're not, lis- we're not listening to the video. Yeah, you get what I mean. <laughs> All right, sick. One on Tricks Point Never on your radio. This is FBI 94.5. Pia Van Gelder across from me today. And uh, this track is called Angel. That's the end of that. Ends very abruptly. That was one of Trick's point never. And it was brought in by my guest today, Pia Van Gelder. And we're at the end of the hour. You're about to have Beth Dalglish come in and take care of all of your lunchtime needs. That is, if your needs are exclusively great music for two hours, she will take care of you. It's been great having a chat with you. There's so many interesting things to potentially talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's totally. been really hard to try and figure out what to talk about. So um, I guess if people are really interested in what they've heard today and they're interested in your practice and want to see it in uh, in real life, then they can. They can do that on the 1st and 2nd of August at Underbelly Arts Festival. You'll be there. Yeah. People on 12 get in free. And if you're an FBI supporter, then you can get a ticket for 
a mere 20 bucks. And so that'll take you to the festival on the Saturday or the Sunday. And there is an art party happening on the evening of the Saturday as well. And you can see Pia Van Gelder's work there. It is relaxation circuit and it's going to be really interesting. I can't wait to see it. I'm looking forward to it too. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for your time. Oh, thanks great time. for having me, Ash. It was really lovely to speak to you. Yay. And yeah. it also let let you kind of go through your music and kind of be like, who am I yeah, in who, music? It's such a weird, yeah, it's an interesting exercise. I've never done anything quite like it. And one of the songs that are very close to your heart is by the Yellow Magic Orchestra. Tell us a little bit about Yellow Magic Orchestra and why you want to bring this song on. Well, Yellow Magic Orchestra are like the most incredibly virtuosic synthesizer band from, they happen to be from Japan and they just make like the most amazing music that when I listen to it, I just feel absolutely ecstatic. Yellow Magic Orchestra, Firecracker, brought in by my guest today, P.E. Van Gelder. (laughs) 